Shut up and sit down. Without a shadow of a doubt, the most epically overused world in cycling is epic. It seems that anything and everything is epic these days. One, two, three, four. I like, I like, I like, I like, I like to ride my bike. I'd like to introduce you to a podcast with a lot of charm, talent, and wit. Unfortunately, I don't have that option. So instead, you are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Tip of the day, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step that said, you know what you've got to do, so go get her done. I got fancy little streamers coming out of my handlebars. I got cards in the spokes that make sounds as it flies the cars. I got lights all around and reflectors in the back. I basket on the front that are really useful. Rack. But I hate cyclists, bike riders, people who ride bicycles. Does someone need a hug? Oh God, here it comes. Oh, hot, 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 welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Von Dering, and I'm here with Lance Epler. Lance Romance, live in the adventure van while the dog is making some noise in the background. Can you guys hear, can you, can Describe the uh, the video I'm sending you right now. Some puffy blue uh, or puffy uh, clouds and some blue skies and some cactus and looks like you're in Utah. Looks like I'm in. <laughs> I'm in St. George, Utah. Uh, yeah. We came. Yep, we came down here uh, after spending the weekend up in um, Provo Salt Lake area, but then it started snowing, so I got the heck out of there. So gotcha. now I'm down here. <laughs> Also today on Skype, Mr. Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and in? Oh, I can't do my intro either. I don't even know what I'm. Saying. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You got to learn how to do your intro. Hi, <laughs> Matt. And sitting across the small table from me today, Mr. Evan Price. I know. I think I'm the only one in the studio this morning. It's basically just me and Jake, and we got. Not a lot of drinks on the table. Just an empty coffee thing. I need to go make some coffee. I was yeah. it. This is the issue is we don't have enough drinks. Matt is maybe drinking a seltzer water right now. I'm not sure. And I'm sure Lance is probably drinking an energy drink. I'm actually drinking Athletic Greens to get all oh. your... Um, <laughs> yeah. That it, I did a little ride this morning, and this is uh, my recovery this morning to make sure I get all my uh, greens in for the day. What about your Athletic Reds? No, no, only greens. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen that they have a few different colors in that in that company. Oh, I only know about green. Awesome. But yeah, how about we get into some backpedaling, Mister Mister Matt? You there, Matt? You still there? Yep, I'm all right, here. Good. All right, yeah, we got a little. Like, everything's all over the place, and there's, I don't know, it's all new and different. It's hard. <laughs> it's this hard. Remote stuff is hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, backpedal for me can be pretty quick because I rode Zwift. I have not missed a day yet. But I have no idea what day we are on. I'm guessing we're getting close to 80. Today I don't know. will be 83. Today is 83. Today's 83? Yep. yep. Okay. So I'm at 82. I need to ride today. Good for uh, you. 
I I did a workout with Evan on Friday, and man, I was sore. Like a super <laughs> early morning workout with Evan, like a kind of a PT type exercise. Yep. Super cool, but then my knee was sore, and I was like hurting on the bike pedaling. So I've been soft pedaling for a couple of days, but I'll be ready to go hard on Tuesday for the dialed group ride, which all of our listeners should hop in on. That's usually at like 6.30 on Tuesday nights. 6.30 Pacific time. Yep. I know these yep. these Friday workouts for Matt may end up ruining his one-hour streaks. My my goal is to make sure he can't spin for one hour after one of them. <laughs> yeah. they. I mean, they hurt. And um, I did go for a run. I went over to the track, the canvas track. And I think that the I flat that. track surface is going to be easier on my Achilles. Uh, and so I'm trying to do that a little bit and brought the whole family over to the track um and brought camera stuff flew the drone you know just for fun and uh tested like there's a new garmin um activity that's called track run where it's supposed to track your run a little bit tighter around tracks and things like that so i tested that and you know it's a little bit off it's not perfect but it is what it is uh also swam this week uh been getting back in the pool a little bit i think i swam twice which is good for me. Um, took a month off, basically, and uh, and able to get back in the water, which is really nice. So I think it'll take a little while before I'm kind of back to my old form, but it does feel nice to get in there and do a little swimming. Nice. Everything else good? Yeah, no real major adventures. I really don't think I even took the bike out on the road this past week. And I know the next two weeks are going to be awfully rainy. So... I'm yeah. kind of regretting some decisions that I, you know, I could have blown off some other stuff and actually gone outside, which I should have done, but work's super busy and I'm actually coaching cross country right now. Uh, but it, you know, so that's once a week, which kind of cuts out, cuts down on a little bit of opportunities to get out and do my own thing. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, busy as, busy as always. Good. Still making it work. Cool. Matt, but, where are you guys doing your practices right now? Uh, actually, we did like a, a 5K time trial on our Saturday workout um, this past Saturday. And so that was good. Uh, kids did well, fairly flat course, kind of on campus to loop. And the kids are great. You know, some of them can just like, no problem, conversational run six flat pace. And others of them are just like fighting hard to, you know, hang on, um, walking some, running some. And so we have a huge wide variety of, of talent and we just try to break everyone up into different groups for one, because we want, we don't want to spread disease. And for two, uh, you know, I think it just makes it a little bit easier on all these athletes just kind of like, Hey, here's a group that we think you're going to mesh well with, you know, and, and they do get some of that social activity because with the lockdowns and stuff like that going on across the world, like, I think it's important for these kids to at least have some social activity. So good. Cool. Mr. Hepler, you there? Yes, I am. What's cracking? Uh, yeah, I'm still in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the reason I came down here, uh, because trying to do this uh, cyclocross series that's in Utah, and uh, I lined up for the fifth race in the series this, um, this last Saturday. Um, it was actually held at Soldier Hollow, 
which uh, when the Olympics were in Utah in, in uh, 2002, the Soldier Hollow venue was built for the biathlon and for cross-country skiing. And so the cyclocross race was actually on the biathlon course at the biathlon venue. It was it was really pretty cool. So um, I raced in the 45-plus division. Um, again, there was only 14 people in my division and, um, uh, the gun went off. Um, I won the whole shot. (laughs) I, uh, it was an eight lap, um, race. And, uh, at the end of the first lap, I had a 15 second lead. I had kind of pulled it out and, um, I never lost it. The guys never, uh, they, they never caught me. I ended up winning by about 50 seconds. So I, I, I led from wire to wire this time. It was it was fun. Way to do your part in social distancing. <laughs> nice, nice job, Lance. Mm-hmm. Congrats. It was pretty crazy. The, um, after, the, after the first lap, the group behind me, it was six guys, and they were all together trying to, to catch me, but they were letting one guy – uh, stay on the front. Um, they weren't rotating poles at all. And it's kind of hard to rotate poles in cyclocross races, but, um, they weren't rotating at all. And, and I just managed to keep running away from them. So super fun fifth race. I won again. I was super excited. Um, my wife and two of my kids were there. My nephew came, I had lots of cheering sessions. Um, the race organizers actually, pulled me aside and said, Hey, you race in Portland. How do our courses compare? Give us some feedback, which was, which was kind of cool. And so what was your response? That's it. Well, um, I found that the courses in Portland tend to be more technical. There's not so many long power sections, um, that there are out here. And, that's the thing. They, they put harder features in the race, especially Cyclocross Crusade. There's always difficult features. There's more run-ups and whatnot. Gotcha. So, but we'll see how that goes. Cool. So it was a good time. Everything else, I've just been screwing around in Utah um, uh, to kind of update you. The, um, the state of Utah, decla- the governor declared a state of emergency yesterday which would be Sunday evening. Um, COVID cases have been rising here. Um, the hospitals are near capacity. And so he declared a state of emergency, which is a mask mandate for the entire state and limiting um, gatherings of five people or more. No gatherings of five people or more. So, and that's supposed to last for two weeks. So the next two cyclocross races have both been canceled at this point. With, with, <laughs> which is the appropriate thing to do. Um, I felt safe during the races just staying away from people. But um, it, it, I mean, racing doesn't matter at, at with these types of things. We need to be safe. And so we have kind of – I've – We've moved south. We ha- we are trying to stay away from people. We'll probably head to Nevada or Arizona for a couple days uh, before we head home. But we're trying to be very responsible about all this stuff too. So gotcha. we'll see how it rolls. All That's right. it. Well, hope that goes well for you, man. Be safe. Yes. Yep. 
Mr. Price, you want to backpedal? Yeah. Um, last week, pretty pretty uneventful, except for um, Saturday we did uh, the Michael Myers Memorial Ride, which was, I'm sure Jake will go into more detail with that. Uh, we had good weather for like a second on it, and then it was just towards the end. I think it started to rain on us just a bit. Wet and cold. Yeah. Yeah, that ride, it was almost the same exact weather last year, wasn't it? It was, It yeah. was. It was like chilly, and then kind of rained towards the end there. But re- uh, honestly, through the core of the ride, it was fine. It's, you know, mid-40s. Just enough to take out the cold gear for the, really the first ride of the year. Like It's like probably a winter gear-type ride, Yeah, which is good to finally fish that stuff out. Um, uh, outside of that, um, I got some uh, some tough news for, for anybody who's been around the Dial Endurance Lab. Uh, you, you know that I'm... I'm a, uh, a proactive physical therapist, and um, that's that's a partnership between the Dial Endurance Lab, the space itself, and uh, myself. Is I'm 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 an employee, of proactive, a, f- a physical therapist with them, and uh, pro- proactive is a pretty cool story. They're um they're a local uh, uh, physical therapy clinic that was started by three men, Chris, Larry, and Steve here in here in Vancouver uh, and North Oregon, um, and for a long time was really only a few clinics. It's only just recently grown to, to about 15 clinics, uh, including central Oregon now. But, um, for, for a long time was very, very local, uh, between the Portland, Vancouver area. And, uh, one of those, those owners, the, the, the original guys who started the company, uh, his name was Steve Allstott and, uh, uh, Steve passed away on Saturday and, um, uh, he was, uh, he was a pretty, awesome awesome guy um and is really a big part of the reason why i moved out here uh actually when i did my interview uh with with ryan nall who's a good friend of mine and clinic director and now part owner too um who's been you know like a like another son to to, to steve uh but you you know i've i'm really involved in the endurance community in ohio and i wanted to find another community that was like that and uh when i first made contact with proactive now almost five years ago one of the 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 first stories i heard in people i talked to and i'm sure i'm sure ryan told him that i'm a cyclist and runner but uh steve was a very avid cyclist and um he actually started proactive um on a bike ride with chris uh they they were talking about how much they hated their uh kind of corporate pt jobs as they called it their big institution, you know, places that have hundreds and hundreds of clinics. And they were like, we, we want to start something small and local and something that we can, we can grow ourselves. And, uh, they, they did that on a bike ride. And, uh, Steve, um, uh, Steve was, was somebody who actually previously in his life, I think it was right after he, he told me the story four or five times and it, it was always cooler each time he told it, but he, uh, uh, right out of college before he went to PT school, had uh, decided that he was just going to like ride his bike. I think at that time it was from like Chicago, Illinois, and he drove uh, rode his bike out to Portland just on a whim. It was it was like a very last minute decision with somebody he had met for like two three weeks, and they were just like like we always joke on this show. It's like you know oh you like bikes I like bikes we're best friends now and let's jump on a bike and ride across the country. But um, Steve was an avid cyclist his whole life and somebody who. It was re- refreshing for me, him being a, a big, big mentor and me from a physical therapy standpoint, but just a life standpoint too, is he, he was never that competitive of a cyclist. He always told me he never really, and I think he had mentioned this to Jake too, he never really wanted to race. He just wanted to, he just wanted to ride his bike and have fun. And, um, 
being when I came out here, being a mid twenties person who really seems to focus way too much on power numbers and, and race results. It's, uh, uh, it was, it was a pretty, uh, a pretty important weekend to, to kind of review that and, and remember why, why I ride bikes. And it's, and it, it is because of people like Steve and, um, it's this terrible irony that it's the same day of the year that, uh, that we lost Mike Myers two years ago, uh, Dr. Mike Myers. And it's, um, it's a, it's a special and a terrible day at the same time. So, uh, that's just kind of where, where my head's at today. Uh, is just thinking about Steve and Mike. So, yeah. Rough times, man. Steve was a good guy. He I'm sorry a, to hear uh, that, man. Yeah. He's just one of those guys that you, you don't meet too people, many people like him where you just like instant, mm-hmm. instantly connect with a guy. Cause he's just such a nice guy. Just salt to the earth, just yeah. like Michael Myers was. And mm-hmm. you know, there was, uh, it was completely transparent. There was nothing like complicated about him. He was just easy going, like really easy going. And yeah. you just yeah. like you just got a sense like this is a good person. He's gonna tell you how it is. He's like super nice. Yeah. It's just like Yeah. I still it, I still remember one of the um uh when he told me this so so Steve had retired actually last year. Um basically in, after in May. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it, it was like a month or two after after the clinic opened. And I, and I remember I sat down with him at, at Detaza, which is where me and Steve did all of our meetings, actually. Now, now I think about it. Anytime he was like, hey, we need to meet, it was I would never meet him at the clinic. We'd always just go over to Detaza. And um, uh, I just I just remember he kind of sat down and I, and I was telling him how nervous I was about opening the clinic. And I, I really was was apprehensive about it. This is before COVID. You know, there was obviously if I had known COVID was going to happen, I would have been even more apprehensive about opening the clinic. But, um, Steve was like, like Jake said, you just felt comfortable with him. And he, and he told me at that time, he said, Hey, just so you know, I'm, I haven't told too many people this, but, but I'm going to retire here coming up, which was a big thing for him to share with an employee of his. And I really do believe Steve was, Steve was very much a, a mentor to me. So I think he felt comfortable sharing that, but he had, he had told me, he's like, you know, now that I'm at the end of my career, he's like, if you had gone back in time and told me all the hard parts of starting proactive. He's like, I still would have done it on that day. And I think that that, that was big for me to hear at that time. Somebody who was at the end of their career and had gone through everything and just having him, having him there at that time was, was important. And it wasn't even, it was, it, it, it was never a business meeting with Steve. It was always a, if, if I told him at that moment, I want to leave proactive, he would have been in full support of that and done everything that he could have to help me with the next step. But it was, it was just somebody who, when you sat down, you you felt like the, he always had your best interest. And I think he was with that, with patience, with people who knew him business wise. I don't think it mattered. And you know, I'm hope I'm I'm hoping the day I retire, I can I can kind of say the same thing about myself, definitely. But uh, rest in peace, Steve. We will you you will be sorely sorely missed by this community. Gotcha. Well. Um probably should have finished with you today (laughs) i know i know that one was to not to not to throw you know steve i really think loved talking about bikes more than anything so today talking about bikes on a podcast is probably the best way you can remember steve so therapy for you right there absolutely yeah yeah um i'll run through mine real quick before we lead out some news (laughs) um we did the 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 dialed zwift team ride and i i've figured out really quickly that if you try and time it just right where your guy's going to coast downhill so you can go have a quick nature break 
And if you don't time that just right, you're going to get dropped by about three minutes. And that, that happened to me on the team <laughs> right before we hit the hot section, which I, I know that, that it's, it wasn't a long sustained climb for the hot section that we had um, dialed up for that particular ride. And I'm like, all right, I got to get over here because I really had to go to the bathroom. So I came back and my guy hit like a little bump in the road that went up and he just stopped and then I got dropped completely. So I ended up doing like a, like it was almost a 30 minute time trial trying to catch anybody that I possibly could. But uh, it was, I don't know, it was still fun to watch how you guys explode and go up. Uh, what was it? The Titans Grove? Oh, you guys do Titans Grove scale. Yeah, yeah there was yeah. a Titans mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely not long enough to send for a bathroom break. That's a well, very short descent. It is, and I just had to go on my car. This is the only spot where it goes downhill. <laughs> and for those of you that don't ride on Swift or know what I'm talking about, usually you can get off your bike when there's a descent, and your guy will almost just hold his speed if you go quickly. Like the best is coming off of uh, the box hill and the, the, the yeah a few other yeah. like the mountain climbs and whatnot. You know, you can run to the bathroom and your guy's going 40 miles an hour while you're doing your thing and you come back and you jump back on, you're right back in the mix of things. Well, my guy hit a bump and stopped. So um, fast forward to Saturday, we did the Michael Myers ride that Evan alluded to. Uh, we had a decent group of guys, despite the fact that the weather was pretty bad and it's been getting cold. I think when we left, it was upper 30. When I left my house to drive over to the it meeting spot, chilly. it was 37 degrees. And then it started to rain, and it it got pretty cold back in, in the Washougal Hills. But um, we all went out and had a good time. It was good to see people. It was, uh, again, just kind of therapeutic to remember Michael and um, to go out to his tree and see his view of Multnomah Falls and um, just kind of, you know, kind of think about him on the day. And then uh, just did a, a nice little gravel ride recovery ride with Sean yesterday, who is really stinking strong right now. Have yeah. you guys ridden with Sean Martin lately? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I, I talked to him like at the beginning of this dialed 100, and he was like, "Matt, if I bike, I, he's like, I've never biked that many days in a row. He's like, if I bike 100 days in a row, I'm gonna be pretty freaking fit." And I was like, "You're already pretty fit, and yes, <laughs> you are gonna be super fit when yeah, it all comes together." He's pretty so fit off just five, well. six hours a week previously. I mean, he was. I know that. I know he said his sweet spot when he was talking was like eight hours a week, but yeah. he, even for a while, there was only riding five or six. He's done nothing but get stronger over the last year and a half and changed ever since we had our accident and since then um like once he was able to get back on the bike and he started back into a training program to get fit and ready for team training camp mm-hmm. and it, it's been like no looking back the guy has just like gotten crazy strong i can't keep up with him on anything that goes uphill now but that's partly my fault i'm <laughs> i need to lose weight Sean, sean's always been a good solid <clears throat> like i mean really what what would the term be rollier probably yeah, I've like I mean the but he'll stick for a long extended climb. He'll still sit there and sit in and yeah. put out good power and respond. Well, he and Doctor Hanel yeah. and a few others were mixing it up on a lot of the climbs on Saturday, and mm-hmm. it was like he's climbing like it's nobody's business right now. So yeah, he was what fourth up the climb on. I think I think he was right behind Elijah. I think. Yeah, I he think had a he, great climb on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Elijah's doing really well as well. Climbed so. very well. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was my week. Nothing special. Just looking forward to another cold, wet, rainy week. We'll be doing some trainer rides yeah. and go out and freeze my backside off this coming week. I think the so. next 10 days all look like rain in the four, low 40s, high 30s. So Welcome to November. Yep. <laughs> hey, Champ. Oh, wait. Champ's not here. Is Champ? Champ? Hello? Yeah, Champ is right here. Oh, Champ, okay. Champ is right here in the house. I wasn't sure if I, if I added him to Skype or not. <laughs> what up, Champ? What up? What you want to know? Lead out some news. What's going on in the All cycling right. world? 
The biggest thing that happened this last week is the Vuelta España uh, finished up. Is it yesterday? Yes. Yeah, yesterday. Yes. So um, kind of exciting. Um, yes, it was won by Primoz Roglic. He won by a whopping 24 seconds. So um, it was still a pretty tight race. The interesting thing to note, he beat um, uh, Carapaz was second and then i believe hugh uh carthy from uh ef education first was third yeah so now the 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 interesting part of that champ is that he he may have won by 24 seconds but without his time bonuses throughout the vuelta he actually would have lost to carapaz which is an interesting side note because i would love to know a stat on when the last time was a grand tour was one off purely bonus time how do you feel about that over the 18 stages, Roglic yeah. um, had won 48 seconds in time bonuses. Yeah. And uh, Carapaz had won 16 seconds in time bonuses. So he so it came had down him to by six a good seconds. 32 seconds. Yeah. yeah. Came wow. down to six so raw it, seconds. Yeah. So it came down to actually oh. six actual seconds. I mean, yeah. and and that that last stage, stage seventeen, the last stage before their their waltz through through stage eighteen, was one of the more exciting stages I've seen in a while. Because you, I mean, Carapaz goes at the perfect time, and you're seeing the 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 time just keeps on dropping and dropping and dropping, and the, the this is what is going to get talked about for a while is, so Primos gets dropped. Sepkus, his his just never ending lieutenant over the tour and the Vuelta the, this year, domestic, yeah. was yeah. absolutely cracked when the move started to go. So Sep, for the first time, really, I mean, it was a hard like you see his head bobbing back and forth, and he just flicks his elbow, and Sep goes out the back. But what happened was Carapaz. Then once that group had skinnied down, really attacked hard coming out of a steep section with like. 2k almost on the dot left um knowing he has to get 45 seconds i think he held it till pretty late but you know it's easy to sit there like armchair style and say oh he should have gone earlier but he chose a perfect time to go primos tries to get on his wheel cannot do it and all of a sudden primos looks really isolated and what happened was the two um movie star writers ride up to primos and they could have well, I'm I'm not sure what the time was for Enrique Moss trying to get on the podium, but it was Enrique Moss and Marc Soler, and they both decided that they're going to pull Primos along. So it was kind of a false flat, windy area, and Carapaz is putting time, just gobs of time into him. Like, he's, he's losing 10 seconds at a time. And all of a sudden, like, Roglic is drafting off of Moss and Soler and gets himself to where he can sprint with 500 meters left and ends up winning by, you know, like 20 seconds, basically. But there's wow. a good chance that if Enrique Moss and Mark Soler were not there and not working for him, you know, being movie star writers, then I don't think Primos would have held on. I think Primos would have lost that 20 seconds to Carapaz. That's crazy. I mean, thank yeah. God he didn't, though, because Primos deserved a Grand Tour win this year. If that man would have lost the grand, another Grand Tour on the last competitive day, that would have been unbelievable. It, you know, he had a pretty good year. He won the Vuelta. He took second at the Tour de France. Uh, he won Liege, Bastogne, Liege. Um, it, it just fantastic year for him. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. Should be interesting to see what happens next year, too. Would you say he's so. the best cyclist in pro cycling right now? 
Probably for this year, yeah, I would say so. I'd say I'd say I'd say it's top three. I'm not gonna say he's the best cyclist. I think I think Pogacha, Alaphilippe, and Woot would. God, those are my top three. Actually, I'd put Primos fourth. I know that sounds bad to take the second place of Tour de France and bump him down, but you can't sit there and say that Woot doesn't deserve to be like one or two yeah. after this year. Those I don't some, disagree with that. Those are some great yeah. names. Yeah. Cy- cycling's good right and now. And it's hard to say that he's stronger than Pogaccio after watching that time trial. I mean, I I don't know. You, I, I can maybe say he had a more rounded. <laughs> <laughs> I can maybe say he had a more rounded year. But, I mean, when they went head-to-head, clearly Pogaccio was the better rider. And Alaphilippe is, just had one heck of a year, too. Yeah. yeah. He, he I mean, did. Alaphilippe was in every important move since 2020 started, basically. It's good times. That is it for cycling news. There's actually a cool story in the uh, Ironman world. Um, yeah, this is a triathlon podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Matt, you want to take this one? Um, sure. Although I do need to look up the guy's name. His name was Chris, and he has Chris Down syndrome. Kikich. His uh, name's Chris Nickich. Nickich. He's 21 years old from Florida. And what was special about this is this was the first time someone with Down syndrome has finished a full Ironman distance race. And uh, it looked like he finished with about 10 minutes to spare, something along those lines. They 16, live broadcast it. 1646. Yep. yep. He had 14 and, minutes uh, to spare. Just really cool story. Seems like an amazing person. I did watch some of the interviews with him before he um, attempted the you know Ironman distance. And uh, you know, it seems like it's a pretty cool situation for him because um, after this, they're you know they're going to be doing like a lot of speaking engagements and things like that. So really inspirational story. And I know a lot of people were very interested in it, and a lot of people seem to be watching it live as it happened. I think it you know Sunday evening. I think it was a Sunday evening or Saturday? No, a Saturday. Saturday. Evening. Yep. Uh, but really cool um, watching that and watching him cross the finish line. So. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. You, you know, being being from a from a medical perspective, it's actually very interesting because once once again, I love I love when the medical field gets proven just like starkly wrong, and we have to like reassess how we think of things. But uh, even when I was in school, which was not that not terribly long ago, uh, when we were going through, uh, we we spent time on on Down syndrome as a condition, how you treat it from a physical exercise point of view, and I still even remember in the red flags there is. Uh, intense aerobic activity and extended aerobic activity are considered markers that should not be part of Down syndrome treatment or, you know, put into their protocols. I really hope we rethink that because once again, I think we're proved starkly wrong. And there's definitely markers that, that put that, you know, a a Down syndrome patient at at a disadvantage there. But for, for us as a medical field to say that, oh, you know, somebody with Down syndrome should not be doing this I mean, Chris is at the age of 21, proven, you know, proven people wrong and absolutely breaking barriers. It's he also like fell in. I mean, I, I remember seeing some of his bike pictures. He's like bleeding out of his knee, too. I think he fell pretty hard either. I think it was coming out of the swim transition. I think I need to look up when that happened, but I'm pretty sure he just bleeding from his knee for like 112 miles on the bike in a full marathon. Wow. I know that um, the bike was one of the more challenging things for him, and uh, I think it was a balance issue. They yep. do use, I think he uses kind of hand, uh, mountain bike handlebars and things like that. He was on um, a cruiser, basically. And, yeah. uh, I remember the one of the interviews prior to that that the bike was difficult for him, not only because he would say like, "Yeah, my butt was super sore," but also just because of balance issues and things like that. So, 
Yeah, good good for him. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Cool. And I mean, I just think alone, if you were to take a cruiser bike and do an Ironman, that would be an incredibly hard task. Down yep. syndrome put aside, if you put somebody in a non-aero position for 112 miles, that's going to be not fun. Yeah, it makes for a tough day. I will say that in our previous podcast, I mistakenly said that Daytona was this this weekend coming up. And I know we corrected it later on in the podcast, but this is the race that I was getting it mixed up with, the Ironman Florida full. Mm-hmm. And Evan, you'll know this. Um, I know, I think, um, I'm trying to think, like Matt Hansen was second yeah. and uh, Sam Long was third. Chris um, Lieferman. And I can't remember the guy that won it. Chris Lieferman took home the Chris win. Lieferman. So Chris Lieferman's one of my favorite just Ironman pros in in the American oh, scene really? because he is so quiet. The guy like never makes any noise. He then goes out last year, wins Ironman 70.3 Boulder, but, um, not getting run down by Tyler Butterfield, which is an amazing task in itself. Tyler Butterfield's an incredibly fast runner. And Lieferman just always he's a very he's he's a good swimmer. He comes onto the bike, he will put down the fastest bike in any race that he's in. And he did that in Ironman Florida. He dropped Sam Long. Now, Sam Long had to get off the bike and stretch because he was having some low back issues. But that what happened. See, I didn't know any of this. Yeah, he, he, he lost about four minutes. He had to get off the bike and stretch his back. But I think that was also because Lieferman was really pushing at that, at that point. And yeah, I think too much gravel racing. Exactly. Too much, too much upright racing. But it was uh, Chris comes off the bike and throws down a 250 marathon in Florida, which is fast. And uh sam long was coming though he you know him and matt hansen both matt hansen ran a 241 which is just mind-blowing and uh sam came off the bike limped through the first mile and then ran a 245 so i mean america's got three super and matt matt russell was right there in the conversation as well um I what mean, about on the women's side? Did they? I didn't see anything. So as far as the results go. I did not recognize the name of the woman who won, but I I know really well the woman who was in second, Sky Monch, who had a great day too and ran a PR run for herself. So uh, great work from Sky. Uh, Katrina so, Matthews was yeah, the one who won. Okay. I I actually I did not recognize her. Must have been good because times were pretty fast. Yeah, and and to beat Sky is pretty impressive because Sky is Sky is no joke, and she's one of the best cyclists in the female field, just in any race she jumps into. Katrina went eight forty and beat Sky by six minutes. Eight forty is flying. That is flying. That beat a good portion of the men's field, actually, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She would have been. Uh, she's somebody we need to watch out for. She would have been. She would have been twelfth in the men's pro field. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. She would have been right in there. I was gonna say I know a lot of those guys who were, um, you know, mid pack guys who have smoked me and were like sitting eight fifties. It's Florida's. Florida's a. You'd think it'd be a fast day, but it's only a fast day if you're feeling good. If things start to go south in Florida, it can be really, really bad. It can be a long day, and the wind really, really plays an impact on the bike too. So, so there can be fast bike times. But it's you got to hold the arrow position for a long time, which can be tough. I've done that course twice, and it is pancake flat. There is no elevation gain, so you are down in the arrow bars the whole time. Yeah, which always sounds oh. awesome until you're there for that long, and then you're like, "Oh yeah. man, a hill would be great." <laughs> and you don't blame you don't blame Sam Long for like getting off the bike and like no, stretching for I'm a sure. bit. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good for God for Matt Hansen to throw a 241 after hanging out in the arrow position for that long is just ridiculous, too, in second place. Yeah. Good for him. That's pretty crazy. That is uh, it for your sports update. Champ Bailey out. 
Really? <laughs> He's out. All He's right. out. Let us uh, do a quick Patreon thing. We're not going to do a drawing today. That will be next week again. I want to do something mm-hmm. next week. Another cool one. Um, I think I'm all caught up. Everybody's got all their little Patreon goodies that they've won in the recent I don't know, Patreon giveaway drawing thing. So that part's good. Um, next week, we'll do another little drawing. So if you are interested in becoming a Patreon, go to dialpodcast.com and follow the Patreon link there. Um, and I just wanted to say a big thank you again to all 16 of our Patreons. That's it's awesome. I, I still like, I don't know, have to pinch myself that people care that much and they want to be a part of that. So thank you very much to each and every one of you. All right. Moving on. Anything else, guys? Got all this mumbo jumbo stuff out of the way? Mm-hmm. You ready? Guess what, guys? It's the hot seat. Hot seat's uh, back. <laughs> All right. Should we Rochambeau to see who's going to go first today? You guys got something good up your sleeve? What do we want to do here? I'll oh, go first. Okay. I don't care. Oh, okay. Oh, let's, Lance and I are doing Rochambeau on okay, one. Okay, ready? Yep. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, we both did scissors, so Matt gets to go. <laughs> okay. I win, so I get to go. Yep. Um, I have a question for you guys. Bring it. Round the table. Best winter gear for cycling. And specifically, I want to hear about gloves. I want to hear about jacket and potentially booties or something like that. You, you can leave something out, but like, tell me what you like. Tell me what you're loving. Uh, tell me what I should consider. Especially because some of this stuff does make a decent Christmas gift as well. Gotcha. Go ahead, guys. Evan? Um, the Castelli gloves I just wore this weekend were great. The... Um God, Jake would know the name of them. Right those the, the the rain or shines, the OS. They were the fleece lined ones. I'm gonna go look. You keep talking about them. Yeah, uh, they were they weren't nearly as bulk like in the past. Every single cycling glove I get is so bulky. It's just very yeah. very very bulky. This was, I mean, it was it was almost like an underlayer. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was those the oh geez. And they Dillavio rained right. It rained on you this weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. It did the Dillavio C glove. Castelli, who I probably butchered the name of that, I'm sure. But they were You're great. Italian. Get it right, dude. They were great. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I never was fluent in Italian, though. So <laughs> being being Italian doesn't really matter if you can't actually speak the language. Um, But yeah, they uh, it was they, they wicked out the, the moisture really, really well, too. And, you know, it wasn't pouring raining, but it was raining enough to be a good solid test on them. That's the glove that I wore on Saturday as well. Mm-hmm. It was it's a good glove. It was upper 30s. It was wet, and yeah. um, they they do really well. They do. I was still able to grab stuff out of my. I could feel my hands the entire time, which is really the only part that matters. And, yeah, yeah. And there are some other gloves that Castelli make that work really well too when it gets even a little bit colder. But I think those are probably going to be your best all around glove. Mm-hmm. The electronic shifting too just makes it better in the cold. I never realized how much that hard click we used to have to do with mechanical shifting. Yeah actually was not fun when you cannot feel your hands at all <laughs> i used to remember i used to avoid shifting in really really cold weather just because i couldn't tell what gear you were in or if you actually clicked it or not gotcha yeah how about you matt uh well i don't have a great answer just because this you know i'm looking for stuff that's decent uh right now hence the question for you guys um you know running wise i just don't i feel like you can get away with like a lot less and, you know, like, uh, there's like a pair of Nike pants that I don't even know if they make anymore that I've worn for running. It's fantastic. 
Um, I do tend to go for Castelli stuff just because I, I feel like if you can flip the bill for it, it is expensive, but they, the quality tends to be there. Yeah, they get it. They understand what it's like yep. to ride in the, the extreme weathers. I, I don't know. I haven't really ridden in their stuff too much when it's like down in the 20s because I generally just stay inside. But anything yeah. from like freezing, like 32 and up, um, I generally try and stay out in, inside when it's, you know, Freezing, below freezing or below because I don't want to hit any ice and fall down but um, yep. they do a really good job they, they get it they understand how to you know, ward off precipitation how to keep you warm insulate you how to layer how to keep the wind off of you so there's quite a few different things that they um, they build or make that work really well there's a, a pair of booties that there actually there's two pairs of booties so <laughs> I'm actually the guy that's got four pairs of booties and I have a pair of booties for just about every kind of um, weather condition that that Mother Nature can throw at you. The ones that I wore this past Saturday when it was, I believe, 37 degrees out in Washougal and raining and it was cold were called the Estremos. And they are super warm. They kept, kept my feet dry. My I, I, my toes didn't freeze up. My feet didn't feel like pegs when I got off the bike. Granted, yeah, it was a tiny bit cold, but you know, we were hitting water. My feet did good. Now, the downside to those are they're extremely expensive. I want to say that they're like 150 bucks or something like that for a pair. 169.99. There you go. That's a lot for a pair of booties. It is, but you know what? When you come back and you you could feel your feet and you weren't you didn't think about it once while you were out on your ride, you're like, "All right, that makes sense and that that's worth it to me." But they have a, another pair too for when it's a little bit warmer that do pretty well that aren't nearly as expensive called the uh the ROS, the Rain or Shine booties. Those work pretty well as well. That's funny. Um, I have three favorite pieces of, of cold weather gear or wet weather gear, and they're all from Castelli as well. Uh, one is those ROS uh, shoe covers yep. from Castelli. Um, I find those to be great. Um, the other is they have this they have this black long sleeved base layer that um, has like a like a thermal wind. Um, covering for your chest. Yep, I have a couple of those. Wore one on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, and and they kind of have a mock turtleneck top, so it's actually pretty warm. Quite often, if it's like forty degrees, I will wear that and a jacket. No, nothing else. Yeah, and it's enough because that that wind jersey is really nice. And you... the other thing is their um, is their gloves. And I gotta say, I use. I use two different kinds of gloves, a dry set and a wet set. If it's raining, um, I usually use a, a neoprene or a waterproof type glove. Um, but if it's dry, the, um, what are they called? The Spedicola ROS mm -hmm. glove um, from Castelli. Um, those ones, man, I can ride in like 15 degree weather and my hands stay warm, yeah. but they're not that great when it's wet. So, um, well, they do a pretty good job on their website too, of breaking down how each piece does in all the different conditions. I mean, they're, they're talking about temperature and precipitation and wind and, and they, they pretty much give you a really good idea. And I've come to find that they're usually pretty right. They're usually pretty spot on with how they're going to do in that respective weather. Yeah. Cool. Those are my favorite three pieces. Cool. Did we all answer that one? Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, I just, um, I think I'm just going to make some purchases, and I don't know if it's going to be Christmas gifts or what, but 
seems like something good to have. Cool. Yep. We like our Castelli, and there's some other good stuff out there too. That DNA, they make some good things as well that are good for the uh, DNA's thermal jersey was great. I was wearing that this weekend too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even have it. I had just like no jersey, not anything underneath it, just that, and it was perfect. Gotcha, Mister mm-hmm. Hepler. Yeah, my my first question is actually very much related to that, and I had written this down this morning. Was um, what is your temperature limit for riding outside? Mm. How cold will you go right outside i know that, that question's pretty hot hold on my behind is burning i'm fine i'm literally fine oh man that was a hot question dude do we do a range <laughs> or is this like an over under that's being over under i'll say i'll say 18 year old me would have ri- i think i rode once in sub-zero it was sub-zero i actually do remember it was sub-zero weather. That was in Ada, Ohio, and there was about a foot of snow. So I grabbed my buddy's mountain bike, tuned it up, put on every bit of winter clothes I could, and went and rode around where the cross-country track was and just rode circles around there. So 18-year-old me would say there, there is not a temperature. Me right now, 36. <laughs> <laughs> not going outside below 36. <laughs> a de- more than a decade later, I'm very, very soft now. Yeah. I'm going to say on the road bike, I'll go down to about where Evan's at, about 36 degrees. Yeah. Below, I'm, not, I'm not messing around with sub. Below that, I'm yeah. staying inside for a couple reasons. A, it's too Ice. damn cold. Yeah. And then B, I, I can't chance going down. No. My body just will not take no. that. My shoulder will like divorce me, which probably wouldn't be a bad thing in this day and age, but um, I just can't chance ice. And no. the other temperature i would say that i'll go down to about 30 degrees on would be the mountain bike mountain bike yeah just because that's yeah. kind of fun when the, the ground's frozen it's kind of crunchy and and mm-hmm. you're not dealing with ice that's actually kind of fun to ride on and you're not going so fast that the wind's blowing over you and it's really causing you to have even more of a, a chill about you so i'll go down to about 30 degrees and that's just going to be sparingly i'm not going to do mm-hmm. that all the time yeah how about you matt well, for running, you know, I'll go super cold. Um, I ran, I think, when it was like, so I, in Michigan, I lived in Michigan for four years. And, you know, that was one of the years I don't think I took any days off. Um, with, with one of those years within the four years that I lived in Michigan, I remember like the coldest was something along the lines of negative 17. Oh, my and, God. <laughs> that's that's um, very, very I mean that's that's like every year in Michigan though. You're you're gonna get a day with wind chill, Matt. Like you knew better yeah. than anybody's like it's gonna be below negative ten. No. Yeah. This was yeah. like God, that's straight terrible. up temperature negative seventeen. And then I ran out on this sod farm, so there was a good bit of wind as well. Oh, that's terrible. Um so that was cold. And I just remember thinking like that was like Did you have yak tracks on? You can do that. Like you're tough, you know. Did you throw yak uh, tracks on or, or your spikes, or did you just run out in just your normal shoes and kinda so, like in the winter in Michigan, you know, everything's pretty frozen. And so basically there is a block of three or four months where I would leave the yak tracks on my shoes, which yeah. yak tracks, some people love them, some people hate them. Um, but I like them quite a bit. They're kind of like little chains for your shoes. And I don't think that they're that obtrusive unless there's no snow or ice. When you're running on them, you know, on regular roads, I think they're a little bit annoying. Um, and so sometimes you have like mixed ice, mixed road and you know, I, I think they're good. I would highly recommend people check them out if they're considering running on icy conditions. Uh, so yeah, I did that, you know, made it through some pretty tough winters cycling. I am the biggest baby by (laughs) far. Um, so if it's, 
I will say that there are some winters that I made it through the winter riding outside regularly, you know, every weekend. Um, but I don't, you know, I really was like just made a commitment one year, maybe three years ago. And I haven't done that since. I don't know. And now like Zwift and indoor riding is so good. Like, I just don't feel like you have to. So, you know, I'll say maybe at like 40 degrees, I'll draw the line just depending on whether or not I want to go test out something or, um, or wind conditions, because I think that if it's really windy, it can be even, you know, a significantly colder in one particular direction. And then I also think like, it depends on the ride that you're doing. If you're climbing, it's sometimes like you get really hot climbing and you get really freezing going down. So you want to go find flatter routes. Um, but yeah, so, you know, depending on conditions, I would say, you know, maybe 40 ish degrees or something like that. Let me add a layer to that question though. Is there a lower number that you're willing to put up with? Cause I think we're automatically defaulting in our head to that cold temperatures equate to crappy weather. What if it's bright, sunny sky, but it's like 25 degrees? Are you going to go outside? Maybe. I mean, it all depends on like how badly we're missing that sun because here in the Pacific Northwest, I do feel like a lot of us just crave the sun. And one of our favorite pastimes is like taking our bike to go collect that sun. Yeah. And so if it's been two or three weeks without seeing the sun, which really can happen here, you're, you know, and it's, I don't know if it's 25, I, I don't know if I'd go that cold, but if it's like, if it's 30 degrees and, or 35 degrees and sunny and you're like, I just want to go out there, like, then you'll just suck it up and do it. Um, again, I think, you know, depending on wind conditions also, uh, I sometimes think the wind can really bite more than anything else, oh, but yeah. man, the sun, collecting that sun is nice. I'm looking at Lance right now, just in the high desert. And, uh, then I look outside my window here and just see the rain so um yeah i know we're in for like two weeks of solid rain here and uh i might be changing my answer once we get to the end of that cool anybody else yeah for me um on the road matt kind of put it perfectly for me if i'm gonna go road biking um uh if it is bright sunny I'll go down to like 10 degrees. I'll just load up. And if it's bright, sunny, I'll, I'll go pretty cold. If it's, if it's wet out, I might only go down to 40 degrees. If I'm doing the road bike on the mountain bike, I don't have a limit because it, like Jake said, it's, it's very different. I did a 16 mile mountain bike ride this morning. And the reason I chose to ride the mountain bike is because it was 38 degrees when I left, but um, it was dry here. The trails were fantastic. The dirt was perfect. Um, when it's cold like that, I can take the dog with me because nobody else is out here. And um, and she can run 15 miles with me on a mountain bike trail if it's cold. If it's, if it's above like 70 degrees, she can only do like five miles. She totally overheats. But I had a blast with the dog this morning riding uh, on the mountain bike. So I don't really have a, those are pretty big miles for Piper. Yeah. She, she went hard this morning and, and she is, um, she is not, if you can see her, she's just sitting in the front seat with me, smiling, wanting to go back out. Piper chill. <laughs> it, you're done for the day. You're done. I know. <laughs> a little high five for you. <laughs> awesome. That's a good question. So uh, hot Cold That's perfect temperature for the dogs. God, the dogs are probably like 20, 30 degrees less than whatever we would think for this. Yeah. 
Mr. Price, what is everybody's primary focus this offseason in terms of a weakness that you see in yourself? Don't think of this as a life question. This is as a as a so we'll we'll nail it down to me and Matt can answer triathlon questions, you know. But we'll we'll say Jake and Lance have to answer in their cycling game, <laughs> going into the spring season. Let's say so. I don't want Lance to say like, oh, I need to work on getting over barriers for cyclic for his four hundred year cyclocross training plan. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, hold on. It should not be so damn hot that I'm up here having dreams about me being on fire. That was another hot question, Jake's, Evan. Jake, Jake, Jake's got these all lined up right now. He's got like a, a bank of 50 of them. So what is our off-season goal? Off-season weakness you want to work on. My off-season weakness, um, probably I need to clean up my diet and I need to drop. No, I, I, need, I need to seriously drop down and I need to get down into like the upper 170s, right around 180. I, I need to be there. Okay. And I had a, a constant reminder this past weekend of, um, of that. When we mm-hmm. went out, we're riding in the hills of Washougals, 4,000 feet of climbing on that ride. A lot of climbing, yeah. And I'm watching everybody pedal away from me and I'm looking down at my watts. I'm like, I'm putting down good watts, but damn it, I can't climb. Yeah. I'm just too heavy. Yeah. And, I got back and I started looking through some stuff and I was talking with Sean yesterday. I'm like, Hey, what was your normalized power yesterday? What kind of average Watts were you putting out? What were, mm-hmm. you know, just this, that, and the other watching him and handling everybody else right away from me. I'm like, I put out significantly more Watts than you. Oh yeah. And I was going the other direction. And you showed it on the flats from what I was hearing and just dragging us up to that first climb anyway. So yeah, yeah. I mean, if I can get down to like the upper one seventies, right around 180 pounds, I can, I can put down the Watts to keep up. Now I'll, I'll never yeah. get down to your weight. And for me to get down there, it's going to be a tough chore. I'm yeah. going to have to be super disciplined, but yeah. if I want to ever have a chance at racing competitively again on a road bike, if I can get my shoulder to, to mind its P's and Q's, I need to get down back down to that weight. And that's where I was at mm-hmm. when I was having really good success, winning lots of bike races mm-hmm. and getting kicked out of the cat threes into the cat twos and being able to hang out with those guys. I need to get back there. That's what I'm going to work on this off season. Boom. It's a specific answer. Good. Lance. Uh, yeah, mine, um, my weakness is, pretty clear to me as far as road biking for the spring and that's repeatable vo2 efforts i guess that's really quite specific but mm-hmm. if my ftp is in the 330 range um i want to be able to do two or three minute efforts at 400 watts so that i can bridge to the break i can uh attack on a climb i could try to stay with the group on a climb and attack at the top of a climb um i think th- that's specifically what i'm going to come to home work on come that. home and i'll play bikes with you we'll do there that you go. ad yeah. nauseum yeah <laughs> yeah that's they a- hurt vo2 efforts hurt i did yeah. so many this week um prepping for this race and oh my gosh it certainly helped yeah yeah, cyclocross so, is a but, great way to train that really i mean you're you're going constantly in and out of that zone very rarely and i mean lance would know this better than me being somebody who never raced cyclocross i'd imagine very rarely in cyclocross are you sitting comfortably at tempo pace you're you're either well above it or well below it correct there's there is no i try to keep my normalized power in a cyclocross race over 300 and that's actually really hard to do because mm-hmm. you're coasting into corners you're you're coasting downhill. Are you talking about average power or average normalized power? power? Yeah, yeah, average power. power? Nor- normalized, nor- normalized power. Normalized deducts the zeros, the coasting. Yeah, but what happens is you're pushing it like 
a hundred watts into oh, the corner. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, okay. gotcha. Okay. Because if you're pushing you're too hard, your yeah. your wheel skids out. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So trying to keep that above three hundred is actually uh, it, it's been pretty hard for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but otherwise, every like every straight, I'm pushing four hundred fifty watts, even if it's like a three minute you know, uphill, any short uphill, I'm pushing 800 Watts. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So trying to do those efforts at above 400 Watts for me, it, um, I think would just help my whole game. Like it a bit more, like more it. matches, yeah. you need more matches. There yeah. you go. How about you, Matt? Um, I think, you know, I don't really have a lot of weaknesses. Uh, <laughs> my, my weaknesses are also my strengths. Yes. <laughs> Maybe you should weaken your strengths then, so then you just don't have any weaknesses or strengths, and it's just dead dead across the board even. Yeah. Um, you know, like Jake, I'm, I need to lose some weight, which is uh, something that, I, I, you know, I can, I'm fairly confident I can do that. Um, but I think something that I need to work with Evan on potentially is, um, you know, being able to run consistently and it doesn't have to be high mileage, Mm -hmm. but, you know, ideally 20 to 30 miles should be very realistic and doesn't take that much for my running to come along when I'm actually able to run. Uh, and unfortunately with the Achilles stuff that I'm dealing with, like I've got to figure out a way to get past that. And so... Um, that's my main focus right now is just figuring out a way to do that, whether, you know, I hope that's not like surgery, but it is, it is. Um, but I gotta figure that out because basically, you know, not being able to walk after a two mile jog on the track is just not realistic. And so, um, hopefully I'll figure that out, uh, ideally before this spring so that I can kind of start to think about racing. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's my plan of attack. And also just being consistent and getting into, you know, I'd say uh, all I have to do for swimming is just get in the pool and the workouts come along. Uh, And then on the bike side of things, I could definitely stand to be a good bit more disciplined with just having specific workouts and a bit more of a training plan, like a little bit more of a structured training plan. Lance and I, we've talked about that forever. Training programs, got your three-year plan, uh, but having some sort of structured workouts, I think, you know, is is great. And and the hundred day challenge has been good for me. Um, but I think the next step after that is probably like a little bit more structured training. So those are the things that I need to work on, um, to have some sort of spring slash summer season, uh, where I can kind of just have fun and I don't have to like win races or, um, or even like set personal records or race the times that I did three years ago. I would just like to be able to participate. So, Mm-hmm. I think you need to go win. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it'll probably be one of those situations where I can win the duathlon or the swim, the aqua bike or something like that. But, you know, I don't know that I will be as fit as I was a couple years back. I'm looking we'll forward see. to watching you get there, though, or at least get as close to that as you possibly can. Because, man, you were a hell of a lot of fun to ride with when you were really banging on all cylinders. I, I still remember those Monday nights where we would go out to Vancouver Lake and just hammer the crap out of each other on the bikes. And you yeah, were strong. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch you get back to that. Hopefully. We'll see. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I think we all answered that one. Yep. Right? Yep. Does that mean it's my turn? Yes. Yep. All right. That's kind of. 
kind of an easy one. What is on your Christmas wish list? What is on your Christmas wish list? That's a pretty hot question, I, right? I got, I'm watching. I got a, I got a bad one, and it's so sad that like hold, I have hold, so hold much on. camera hold stuff. That, that's a really hot question, Matt. Hold, hold on your, a second. Hold oh your God, thought there, Matt. Oh God! Here it comes! Oh, hot, 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 hot! I actually know the exact episode, show, and character. We won't allude to what he was actually doing right there, but anybody who is listening to this and knows the exact show, episode, and character that that is referencing, you get all the kudos. You get all the straw. Comment on the comment on wherever we post this, and I will give you a million strava kudos. (laughs) Oh, okay, Matt. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say like. should we keep this discycling stuff, or do you want to get into camera I, stuff? It'd be on whatever you want, man. Uh, I always want some camera stuff. I definitely want, like, man, I was watching this review of this 24-millimeter lens, and I was like, oh, that looks so good, the Sony 24. Um, you need to get whatever logger strung just got. Stuff, so I feel... You need to get whatever camera Eric just got. Um, Did you see yeah, his video yet? That's the A7 S3. Matt already that has is, that. Uh, oh, you already have, have that? I don't have that yet, but it's, oh. it was, it's, I ordered it when it first came out. Oh, so. I thought you already had it. Oh, that's a bummer. You're still waiting on that thing, huh? Yeah. Um, I think it's going to come towards mid to end of this month. So soon. Yeah. Why did Eric get his first? Uh, he knows someone at Sony. Oh, that's ridiculous. Basically, that camera is just sold out everywhere, and uh, it's hard to get a hold of. It's... It, it's a good camera for sure. It's like uh, and I ordered fair, it the day it was 4% released. Now. Um, but I got this discount on it, and I think maybe that bumped me because I got this discount on it. I think that they fulfilled the orders of people that paid full price before they fulfilled the orders of people that got discounts. And so, and then there's that huge demand for that particular camera, and so I ended up getting bumped pretty far back. So that's okay. Um, I'm willing to wait. I have great working cameras. I'm excited about that camera. It'll change the way I do some of the videos that I make. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and I talked to Eric Lagerstrom about that camera quite a bit, you know, as he was thinking about buying it. Um, so I think that that will be super fun. I should not want more camera stuff, but somehow I do, uh, bike wise, you know, I'm just gonna, I don't actually need anything bike wise because I'm just going to steal Lance's mountain bike. I'm going to walk into his, his garage, (laughs) walk away with a brand new bike. I'm going to put under the tree with a little there. It's there waiting for you, Matt, (laughs) a stolen bike for Christmas. (laughs) What else could you possibly want? Love it. Yeah. Maybe some, uh, maybe some like warm cycling gear. Like we talked about previously, that would be fantastic. Cool. How about you, Lance? What's on your Christmas wish list? Uh, the one thing I do want is a set of uh, Envy wheels for my road bike. That is on my Christmas wish list. So they've just got Envy's got great wheels. They're just so expensive that um, I've never really pulled the trigger on them. But oh man, that's pretty that's nice. Pretty nice. Yeah. I think there might be some coming one of these years. <laughs> <laughs> working on it yeah how about you evan um so mine actually my my biking cycling wise i think the me and cassie make each other the garmin varia uh that that will be just a gift we get each other but um running wise i'm actually getting and these are early christmas presents but and they're almost presents to myself i'm getting the Saucony endorphin pro to race in this upcoming year which 
is basically Saucony's answer to the four percents, um, the next percents. Anybody who follows enough of this, uh, the, the the running shoe, it's almost like a like a arms war here over the last year. I know Matt has noticed this too. Is like everybody's got a carbon plate, everybody's got this this Zoom X foam that's you know basically this stacked up foam that just you know allows that carbon spring to, I mean almost almost creating a in an athletic advantage i think it's whether it's it's uh, inspiring some of these records or if these are just you know the running world's getting faster i'm not sure but everybody's racing in them so it's time to it's time to definitely grab one um and then i'm going to get a pair of track shoes here too the nike matumbos uh coming up in the next week or two so those are basically that's basically it from like triathlon perspective I'm not getting new goggles. I'm not a huge fan of getting new goggles just because I got a weird face. So I got to make sure I have the ones that always fit well. And bike stuff, I've already got the the the, the road bike I want. So no, outside of that, nothing. Cool. I guess I'll go. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for Christmas, I want some some FTP, some <laughs> some watts per some kilogram. <laughs> No, 20 watts yeah. I, i'm i'm like matt i'm just i'm jonesing for some more camera stuff because we're trying to do this whole youtube thing and there's some little devices that i want to get to help us in through that project to come up with some more creative stuff to get some more creative footage um matt probably knows about these two uh the the dji ronin well they're rs2 and they're rsc2 or a couple of the new gimbals that just came out i think i might want to get one of those yeah I think that those are pretty impressive. They are beautiful little gimbals. Yep. Um, I I think the R the I think the compact one, the smaller one, might be better for our particular cameras, just because it is a lighter setup. Yeah. And that might be nice to be able to take and move around. I think that the heavy one has some advantages, like you know the being able to have that follow focus. I just don't think. I mean, I think that's neat. I just don't think it's something that I would end up using that often. Correct. So it's got some cool things, and I've been watching all of the videos trying to kind of go back and forth and figure out which one might make the most sense. And I, I've been leaning towards the smaller one, the one that's a little bit more compact just because it's easier to pack and take with, and it's going to do all of the things that you need it to do, and there's just a couple little bells and whistles that come with it that you probably won't use all that often, so maybe doesn't justify that little heavier price tag. And I yeah. do need to get a little slider too. So I don't know, Matt, you and I should sit down and just talk talk yeah, camera gear totally and, yeah yeah i'm with you with it. so you guys have anything else that you want for christmas anything small how about like a small little accessory not a not a big ticket i'm just a small thing i'm personally you know ready for a new sun, you know what's good new sunglasses for me but yeah go ahead sunglasses. Just got some. Yeah. Um, you know what's good is i reviewed the uh, polar oh1 plus hari monitor and it's like just the optical hari monitor it's like the strap it's kind of like the wahoo ticker wait is it called the ticker the wahoo ticker one that does that yeah uh those things are great. I don't know why. Like, it's not that big of a deal to strap on a chest strap, but right. the fact that you can just slide this little thing on your wrist or arm makes it so much easier. And I just grab it on my way out the door. I literally have a heart rate monitor sitting next to my um, Zwift setup, yep. and I never use it. It's a great heart rate monitor. It's way better than any of the optical heart rate monitor stuff. But having just like a little one that you slide on your arm for some reason is so appealing to me. And maybe I'm weird that way, but. Uh, that was a, an item that I reviewed and I gave it away because I reviewed it. Now I want one. <laughs> so I've been using the little, t- it's called the ticker fit, which is the one that goes ticker on fit. your forearm or your arm or your bicep, yep. wherever you want to do it. And I've been using that since that came out. I will only wear that when I'm on the trainer. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to write it out, 
ride with it outside because I, I don't know that just feels awkward and I'm, I'm fine with wearing a regular chest strap one but when I'm on the trainer I don't like wearing the, the heart rate monitor as a chest strap for some reason it just it doesn't sit right on me because I'm usually wearing like a t-shirt and it's not held uh, firm to me so I've been using that little arm one and the the cool little caveat to that thing is a you don't have to put batteries in it it, it just you know it's rechargeable so it works really well that way but my wife uses it as well and we can share the same heart rate monitor and it it's just a simple little put on it and you you strap it down you don't have to do any kind of like crazy adjustments so we can share the same little heart rate monitor now if we're going to ride it at the same time yeah that might be a bit of a problem but um it's kind of nice because it's just there we can both use it it works extremely well you just put it on your arm it's not uncomfortable and it's good to go just my two cents on that guy yeah good call and i think i'll make a good stocking it's, stuff more it's not huge yep. so yep. yeah yeah, it definitely is more accurate than the watches. What is with Matt? You can speak. My to watch it. numbers have been all over the place lately. So when all I'm riding, when I'm riding on the bike, my watch never seems to have the correct heart rate. But if I'm just cruising around, walk around, sitting sedentary, whatever, the the watch is pretty accurate. Why is it that when I'm on the bike, it just doesn't work the same? It's always like 20, 30, 40 beats lower. I have some theories, and it's because your your arms are down and you're putting weight on your arms. Uh, but generally speaking, you're taking your heart rate at the wrist, which is just not the most ideal spot to sure. take your heart rate. So um, anywhere up further up, you're getting more meat, you're getting a, you know, you're getting able to see like a good bit more blood flow, which is what the watch needs to see to be able to predict the heart rate correctly. So gotcha. Um, yeah, even if you wore your watch up higher, it would work fantastic. It just doesn't make any sense to wear your watch like that. So um, yeah, I think that my experience is exactly like yours, Jake. Basically, I just throw it out the window when I'm on the bike. Running, it's okay. Um, but every like all the other times, like when you're around the house and stuff like that, it's perfect. So. Gotcha. Do you ever, when you're running, wear a heart rate monitor strap and then pair that to a watch? Or is that something that you would yeah. recommend? Yeah, absolutely. So I tell everyone, like, if you are basing your workout on heart rate, or you really want accurate heart rate data and you want to be able to see like if you're starting a, a you know 400 meter or whatever you like start your repeat like you need to be able to see those spikes like you really need a heart rate strap across the chest gotcha. uh, or maybe a potentially you know that optical one that is up higher on your arm the wrist-based stuff is not going to cut it um, but if you are more like us and we're like hey we really care about our power numbers and those are great then wrist-based heart rate monitor is, is fine. It'll it'll show you roughly some you know estimates of where you are, and it doesn't have to be perfect. So, gotcha. so just one more layer to that question. I generally find that again that the heart rate monitor on my um, strap is pretty dead on the wrist one it, on the watch is quite a bit yep. lower. Is there ever a time where you would see the um, the watch showing you higher numbers than what it actually is? Well, what you see is. Not typically, but it, it's more of a um, like, especially as you start and things kind of warm up, you'll you'll see a delay from the optical heart rate monitor catching up to the you know chest chest based heart rate monitors. Yeah. So um, that is really where you'll see it being like r significantly lower typically, and this is just like what most people will see. Again, everyone can be different. These their hearts we're talking about here. Um, but yeah, so if you're seeing like you know, your spikes be more accurate with the chest heart rate strap um, and the delay of the optical wrist-based heart rate monitor, that would be pretty normal. Gotcha. The reason why I ask is because my wife 
pretty often sees some weird heart rate numbers. Like usually sometimes it's kind of on the high side and it, it seems like it's higher than what it would normally be. And I don't yeah. think, the, I, I, I don't know if it's like the, the, the equipment that she's using, if it's just giving her a, a reading error. And I've been telling her for a while that she just needs to pair a, a standard heart rate monitor to her watch yep. and, and really kind of get some more accurate numbers that way. Well, especially if she's like, trying to figure out her heart rate zones or if she's training based on heart rate zones or anything like that, I would yeah. say like, yeah, you need to probably try a different system. Like the wrist is not going to cut it. Gotcha. Gotcha. My, uh, my whoop strap, which I've been wearing for a couple years is consistently about 10 beats higher than I actually think it should be. Interesting. Um, and compared to my, um, my chest strap. So my, my heart rate on my wrist is always higher. Gotcha. What other little small thing? You guys got any other little small things? I'm just putting that out there because we've got like Black Friday coming up. We've got Christmas holiday seasons coming and, and people are asking questions when they come into the lab here. Like, I'm thinking about getting something for my significant other or my kid or my whatever. What, what else can we get? I'm always um, curious to try new um, bars and gels. Ah, there you go. Yeah, food for the... Um, uh, for the bike because I go through a lot of that stuff. And so I'm always curious to see what stuff tastes good, what stuff works well. And so trying new things there is always interesting to me. Gotcha. How about you, Evan? Um, there we're, we're looking at a bike stand physically. That's not a small thing, but that's something that a lot of people, that's like that little thing that I think can help a lot. If you're looking for that cyclist who has everything, if they don't have a bike stand, that's, that's not a bad purchase. Gotcha. Yeah. Are you thinking about like a mechanic stand, or are you just yeah. talking about a place to park your bike? No, no, no. Like a like a mechanic span, uh, stand. We we have hooks and stuff like that already for the for the bikes, but um, uh, having somewhere we can actually hook up the bike and work on it if we need to or clean it makes nice. it a lot easier. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Any other hot seat questions that anybody would like to ask before we move on? Bueller. Bueller. All right. I'm gonna take that as a no. <laughs> All right, let's jump into our one last thing. Evan, do you want to go first? Um, not too much one last things. Thursday, we have another 4.30 a.m. ride if anybody wants to join. How's that been coming? You've been getting a few people, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been last week. It was the uh, the week before that we had, I think, almost five people wow. jump, jump into it. Lisa Worms was there, too, which was cool. Um, this last week, it was me, Nate, and Josh. Was there anybody else with us? Carlos was there, too. Uh, that'll probably be the same crew this next week. Cassie uh, gets on the train right right when I'm done usually. But, yeah, outside of that, not too many people. So if we can get even more than five, that'd be amazing at that time. If you were doing that ride today, I probably would have been able to join you. <laughs> yeah. Did, did not Monday, sleep well last night. <laughs> Monday morning, 4.30. I'm not, I'm not going to make a Monday 4, yeah. <laughs> 4.30 a.m. <laughs> Lance, one last thing. Um, I just, I just hope everybody stays safe. I know that COVID cases are spiking and we need to be careful about how we're socially distancing with people. And I'm more or less speaking to myself because I'm the one, I'm the idiot that's out traveling and I'm just trying to stay safe as as safe as I possibly can. So real quick, the next two weeks of cyclocross are canceled. What what are your plans? Are you staying out there? Are you going to come home or what, what's the deal? Um, I, our plan is to come home for my, my father has a doctor's appointment that I need to take him to. And so that's in like a week and a half. And so our plan is to be home for that for a couple days. 
And then, um, we're, other than that, we're going to try to stay uh, out in BLM land, out in the uh, wilderness. So. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Mr. Legrand. Yeah, um, I always have a video, and I have, this past week, I posted something um, basically talking about how I make all of the videos and, like, camera gear I use. Um you know, I put it out to the group, like, hey, what videos do you guys want to see? And that one was one that people had constantly been asking me about, like, what what did you do? How did you make this? What gear did you use? Uh, so um, that is out there. That is live. And then I'm going to have some watch reviews coming up again. I know I've been doing a ton of watch reviews. Uh, but then uh, shortly thereafter, I think the one that people will be interested in will be a video talking about the new uh, BMC. And I'll probably actually talk about the um, the 2021 edition as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the one that I have hanging up behind me here is the 2020 edition. Uh, but the new one that they announced, I'll at least mention like the changes and things like that that they made when I do that video. So that'll be fun. Gotcha. Cool. My one last thing is I just wanted to... Um, do a little shout out to Matt for his consistency with his YouTube channel. I'm coming to find very quickly that that is a, uh, a big tall ask to do something on a weekly basis. My goal, and I've, I've mentioned this before in the last like week or two, is that I would like to get out something weekly as well, and I'm trying to get it out on the weekends. Lance and I put together a little video, and we did the talking head component of it, and it was um, one of those things when it was done, I, I'm like, all right, this is probably going to be like 20 minutes. I can probably pare it down and get it into some you know, usable amount of time that someone's not going to look at it and go, oh, my God, I'm not going to sit here and waste half my life on this. Um, so we finished this. I put it all together. I'm like, are you kidding me? We just talked for 45 minutes <laughs> about indoor trainers. So I had to I had to whittle that thing down, and I've got it down to about 20 <laughs> minutes, and I've got all of the uh, the effects and the graphics and the videos and the transitions and the music and all the color grading. All that stuff is, is pretty much done. There's just a little bit of polish that I need to put on it, and that will get um, – posted up hopefully later tonight but it, it while i'm going through this thinking to myself i'm like matt's a busy dude he's got three young boys he's coaching cross country he's being a husband and he's got a, a full-time job that's been kicking his backside you know building apps and doing all this other crazy stuff yet he still manages to put together a fantastic video every single week and it's not just a video where it's just him sitting there talking and he's gonna say oh yeah it's just you know no he takes the time and he makes it very artistic he puts a lot of thought into it it's very well thought out and it's um, you know intelligent and it's beautiful so I just wanted to give Matt a little bit of props on thanks, such a thanks good job. Thanks for that Jake I appreciate it but I will also say that I also fa I feel like I fail on every front imaginable so <laughs> it's like can you do one thing good or 20 things bad I choose 20 things bad. <laughs> well I would uh, have to <laughs> disagree with you I think that you do a fantastic job so just keep up the good work. Yes he does. If, uh, if you haven't checked out Matt's YouTube channel Matt where can they go to see you? It's on the YouTubes, youtube.com slash mlegrand, M-L-E-G-R-A-N-D. Thanks for helping me uh, uh, promote, the, promote the channel. This has been brought to you by YouTube. Yeah, uh, just, tell me where to, just tell me where to sign the check and put it in the mail and I'll get my sponsorship deal. Yeah, you got to yeah. go back and watch the last video that Matt put out, though. He used this incredible piece of equipment that got these spectacular shots called the Von Gimbel. It's a pretty the cool Von thing. The Von Gimbel. The Von Gimbel. That's in almost every video now, Jake. It's like <laughs> all the shots. I'll, I'll, I'll just hand him my GoPro and we'll be biking together and he'll like get whatever product I'm looking for or whatever shot I'm looking for. And then I'm like, this is good again. I have to use this. And it's always like 
if you think about it, the top shot is always going to be like the end of the intro, right? Like that's always like my favorite shot, right? Like whatever my favorite shot is, like that's the one I put it there at the end of the intro. And it's been Jake's behind the camera every single time. So, you know, just tell me where to send the check. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Cool. All right. Well, that's a wrap on podcast number 142 eight more until 150 we got to start seriously talking about what we're going to do at 150 and actually figure out when that's going to be so eight weeks from now two months crazy um that's going to be what january beginning the yeah somewhere around the new year almost new year weekend is it 2021 somewhere yeah yeah, somewhere in there so anyway we really appreciate all of you guys and gals and everybody else listening we will see you next week bye for now bye